The data are in, and now it appears clear that Omicron is, in fact, a milder form of the COVID-19 virus than previous strains. You'd think the positive development would lead to a loosening of restrictions imposed due to Omicron hysteria. Of course, you'd be wrong. It seems the government and bureaucrats are intent on doubling down on the mandates that failed to work in the first place. I'll take a look at the latest in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. Get ready for these blue states to put all kinds of restrictions in place and perhaps even lockdowns down the line. We'll have to see. Now, why is this going on? They're telling you it's because of Omicron, a new variant of the COVID-19 virus that was identified first in South Africa. But the problem with that line of reasoning is that so far from what we know, the Omicron variant is in fact a milder form of the disease. So why is there any kind of panic associated with that? That doesn't seem to make any sense. Here is Angelique Coetzee, chair of the South African Medical Association, saying that Omicron is a pretty mild disease based on the data they have so far. Watch. After four weeks, this is now our fourth week, there's no reason why you can't trust us when we say to you it's mild disease. Um, we're not saying that there will be sick patients. That's not what we're saying. We say the majority is mild. There's no need to hospitalize any of these mild cases. Um, there's no, really no need. And these patients um, recover within about five days. Whether you are a child, whether you are 80 years of age, whether you've been vaccinated, whether you have not been vaccinated, whether you have suffer from mild diseases, other comorbidities, this is what we see. This is the real life. This is the real experience. So do you get that sense from the media? Are you hearing people say to you, oh, don't worry, Omicron so far, the data, and, and here's a esteemed uh, expert here, the chair of the South African Medical Association. Remember, South Africa was the first place to identify Omicron saying that it's mild. She's saying, it. you don't have to listen to me. This is somebody who has globally recognized expertise in it. And by the way, the numbers also back this up. Here's a chart from the Sunday Times showing that the case fatality rate in South Africa has dropped off a cliff in recent days. You'll see this. So this is a very interesting and perhaps you could even say encouraging development. Not, of course, the case fatality rate going down is fantastic news, but Omicron being mild could mean that this virus, if people with the virus or who, who get the virus, then have a natural immunity that is effective, perhaps against other strains of COVID as well, or makes other strains of COVID a milder form of the disease because of the immune response. That's a possibility. People have raised this. This is something that could be going on. You might actually have a way out of this pandemic over time, which is effectively the virus just becomes more mild all throughout the population. Wouldn't that be fantastic news? But do you get any sense that that's even possible? That's even uh, something that we should be looking for here. No, of course not. Here's the LA Times headline. California orders statewide mask requirements starting Wednesday amid rising coronavirus cases. You can look at data, I should note, um, of the county of, Calif of Los Angeles alongside Orange County which did not put in a mask mandate in the same degree of restrictions you had in Los Angeles. And what you'll find, and people misread this all the time, they say, oh, but Los Angeles is more, Los Angeles is more densely populated, so of course they have higher cases. No one's saying that a major city wouldn't have higher, even 
per capita or per, uh, per square mile higher cases than Orange County. The point is the trend lines in the mask mandate county and the trend line in the non-mandate county are exactly the same. The imposition of a mask mandate did not change the trajectory of the virus in a geographic area because it did not make a difference. But uh, they're just going with even more of this now. Here's CDC Director Walensky, for example, on boosters, which now in New York City, according to the outgoing mayor, we'll see if this holds, you have to get boosters or else you're banned from public life. Can't go to restaurants, can't go to bars. Boosters. That's right. Um, Walensky, of course, is saying, you know, the more mutations, the more shots you need, the more boosters you need. Watch. You know, what we know um, is that the more mutations a variant has, the more immune protection that you need. And so now we're facing the Omicron variant here in the United States. We have new data out of the CDC just this morning that has demonstrated that about 3% of our uh, uh, very, of our disease here in the United States is from Omicron, 13% here in New York. In New York, And so really we want to bolster our immune protection to fight against this variant that has a lot of mutations. And so, yes, we would really like people to get doubly vaccinated and then get their booster when they're eligible for their booster. Three shots, soon to be four, maybe at some point five, who knows? You know, the more the merrier, it seems. That's the way they take this. This is what we're being told. Was this what we were promised? Hmm. No, we were promised, if you remember, Joe Biden said he wasn't going to shut down the economy. He was going to shut down the virus. That was the line repeated over and over again to drag mediocrity Joe across the finish line, really sub-mediocrity Joe. And now we see that that was all just bullcrap, right? I mean, they, they, they had no great plan to deal with this. They actually were uh, essentially given, handed over a vaccine from the program of Operation Warp Speed of the Trump administration. They told us they would shut down the virus. Here is uh, Director Walensky of the CDC saying, that's probably not going to happen. Shouldn't the messaging be, though, Rochelle, as we sit here, there, because if we're going into year two, people think we're waiting for you to sound the Trump and say it's all clear. We're not really going to get an all clear, are we? We just have to face the fact that we're going to have to live with this. True? I, I think that that's probably too, true. But what I would say is we have a lot of control and power to do that as we come together, as we get vaccinated, as we do those prevention things that work to protect one another yeah. and ourselves and, and our family. We can bring down the amount of disease in this country and get much faster to that place. A lot of power and control. You hear that say that? It was a little strange, wasn't it? We have a lot of power and control over this virus. We actually don't. That's what we've seen. The spread is largely unrestrained. It spreads all over the place, even with the mass vaccination campaign. Yes, the vaccines do give essential protection for individuals who are at high risk from hospitalization, and most importantly of death, but that's an individual protection. That's not a societal protection. So then why isn't it just a function of whoever wants to get the vaccine gets the vaccine and everybody else should be left the heck alone. Hasn't everyone gotten plenty of chance at this point to get the vaccine? Hmm. Dr. Fauci is not yet done, though, blaming the unvaccinated and a little bit of the Delta variant, too, even though by any objective measure based on where we were a year ago versus where we are now, with Fauci running the public messaging on this issue for the Biden administration and directing policy with his little cabal of lab coat tyrants, he is a catastrophic failure, but he wants to blame other people. Listen. There are two things that are converging here, Jim. One is we're dealing with Delta. We didn't have Delta a year ago. We're dealing with a much more formidable virus in every respect. 
superimposed upon that, if we had optimally implemented our vaccine program, those numbers would have been down. Those are many of them, not all of them. Many of them are unnecessary deaths because we have up to 60 million people in this country who are eligible to be vaccinated, who have not gotten vaccinated. We've got to be doing better than that if we really want to get this thing over with. Yeah, he, he knows how to get this thing over with. Sure he does. We got more on this with the first TV's Morgan Zeggers when we come back. But let's talk about protecting the most important asset you own first, your home. You got homeowner's insurance because without it, a fire, flood, burglary could ruin you financially, right? But that doesn't cover something called home title fraud. FBI says home title fraud is rapidly growing as a crime. This is why you need home title lock. Title fraud happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans against your home, leaves you with payments. You'll spend a fortune in legal fees trying to prove you didn't commit fraud. Home title lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone messing with it, they shut it down. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Enter code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Morgan Zegger's up next. Stick around. New York Governor Kathy Hochul seems to be every bit the dictator the last guy was with her recent order requiring universal indoor masking in all public places. Uh, that don't have a vaccine mandate. The order includes private offices as well as restaurants, theaters. You know, unless you can prove you're vaccinated, you got to have that mask. Not to be outdone, California Governor Gavin Newsom has announced his state will institute a similar mandate beginning tomorrow. It's a response, I say, to the Omicron variant, but it's clearly uh, a pander to Omicron hysteria. The new strain is, based on the data so far, markedly less dangerous than prior strains. Cases tend to resemble the common cold, only causing mild or even asymptomatic disease. So what does this all mean? First TV contributor Morgan Zeggers joins me now to share her thoughts. She is coming to us from the land of reality. Good to see you. Thanks for having me back, Buck. So are you aware you're in, uh, what, Arizona right now? So do you, you guys don't have a mask mandate, but just... How about a little sympathy for the residents of New York and California who are now under statewide mask mandates as though that's going to do anything? It's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, Buck, so I'm actually from upstate New York, and I left upstate New York during the first year of COVID. Yes, we are now into years and years of COVID lockdowns and mandates and all these ridiculous rules. But I'm from upstate New York. I left in, uh, I think, October 2020. And so when I left, they still had things like when you landed at the airport, the National Guard met you at your terminal. You had to sign paperwork explaining what address you were going to go and stay in quarantine in for two weeks. And then the government would call you and text you every single day to make sure that you were following their rules and not leaving your premises. But they did ridiculous things like saying your family had to leave your food outside of the door. You had to use a separate bathroom from your family members and a separate trash can. The government was telling you to do some really weird stuff that they shouldn't be able to do. Now, we're entering another phase of these lockdowns. You would think that after two years, they've learned that they don't work. They probably have learned that they don't work, but their actions don't change because this isn't about preventing some spread of of a 99% survival rate virus. This is about power. And if you haven't learned that by now, then I'm sorry. I don't know exactly what's going to teach you. 
So bringing it into New York again for a second here, Morgan, the incoming mayor, Eric Adams, thank God he's replacing Bill de Blasio, but I'm worried he's not going to be that much better. He right now is standing behind what the governor of New York, Hochul, is doing in the state. The uh, mayor-elect, Adams, told uh, PIX11 News, I support what Governor Hochul is doing. Um, and he said that this is a non-invasive way to message to New Yorkers we're in a serious moment. I think New Yorkers realize, this is the quote, we don't want to shut down our city. Uh, Adams also assured people that he, uh, they will not be dragged off to jail for not wearing a mask, but implying that it'll be up to establishments to enforce it. I, I don't think that we're not going to arrest you for doing something stupid and pointless is something that anybody should be celebrating when it comes to these mask mandates. No, and, and Buck, we don't even just see this with Democrats replacing Democrats or liberals replacing liberals, same thing with leftists. We also see this on the right too. I mean, so-called conservatives, so-called rhinos, they support these kind of mandates and these kind of restrictions still after two years of science basically showing that they don't work. Now, this reminded me similar to how people are all excited about maybe Joe Biden leaving office one day. Is he too old? Is he not mentally capable? We need somebody who's better. We need to replace him. I'm sorry, but this is just now the mindset of the left. This isn't about one politician or another. Maybe one's a little crazier than the next. Who knows? You might change a little bit. But in general, the Overton window has shifted so much in America that this is now basically people that believe in choice and freedom and classical liberalism, aka the values that are in our Bill of Rights, economic independence, all the good things that Americans usually believe in. This is about us versus people that like to tell us what to do via mandate and force. And they tell us it's not force, but they take away everything in our life unless we comply with their rules and suggestions. So that's really what I see here. It doesn't matter what politician gets elected next, unless the politician tells me, I, I like this from this woman, Carrie Lake in Arizona, unless the politician looks me in my eyes and tells me they will remove any fines, any fees, any, any rulings against people who were charged with violations and mandates and all these things, I will not believe them. I will not vote to give them a position of power anymore. We cannot trust anybody that is not actively against the COVID mandates and regulations. You spoke about freedom and freedom of choice. There are some big voices out there that don't get necessarily all the attention in the media, certainly of, of Fauci and others, but just in general that you would expect given their platforms and their accomplishments. Elon Musk, who I believe is the richest man in the world, self-made, um, he is not some guy you associate with being right wing or anything like that, but he's came out recently and said, look, he doesn't think that people should be forced to be vaccinated. Watch. Are you vaccinated, if I yes. may ask? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm very, very pro-vaccination. Yeah. I believe uh, it's, the science is unequivocal. Yeah. I treat it to that effect. Right. But by the same token, I, I am against forcing people to be vaccinated. You know, I think this is just not something we should do in America. I think we should encourage people to be vaccinated, strongly try to convince them to be vaccinated, right. but not force them to be vaccinated, or, or, for example, force them to get vaccinated or get fired. That seems very reasonable to me and people, I don't know anybody on the right with a platform who's opposed to all vaccination, period, first of all, and anybody that's respected, I should say, on the right, and certainly that's opposed to all uh, COVID shots, that would be honestly crazy based on the science. It's about the mandates for people, including people with natural immunity, people that have religious reasons for not wanting to get it. it we, we, I thought this was America, Morgan, and sometimes it really doesn't feel like it with these mandates. 
Well, Buck, that's because people have taken for granted our society of choice and freedom for way, way, way too long. This is really all rooted in the dangerous complacency that's been taking place in our country, I would say for multiple decades now. And that can be rooted in dangerous complacency in the parenting of America. We for too long have trusted that we can send our kids onto the school bus, they'll go to school, government school, and get a proper education on policy and history and economics and all the good things that schools are supposed to teach our kids. That's not the case. And so now we have a bunch of people that don't understand the basics of American society and government and why we are so exceptional. That exceptional factor is really rooted in our ability to choose, our ability to have free will. And I will, Buck, I don't know if you saw this, but even the European Union's chief, the chief commissioner, a leader in the EU said that she wants to get rid of the Nuremberg Code, the aspect of it that requires consensual medical experiments because she says she wants to be able to force medical or force vaccinations for COVID-19. Now, this is some really creepy stuff. It's insane. And if you ask me, it's because a lot of this is rooted in the failure of the public education system to teach us about the 20th century horrors. It is pretty remarkable what's going on right now. You, you've seen probably the video uh, out there of German police with measuring tape to make sure people are, are standing six feet apart outside, as if this is science, as if, anyway, Places, not just America, a lot of people have lost their mind over this all over the world. And the uh, scientific apparatus and Fauci and others have a lot to answer for here. Morgan, always good to see you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Buck. Despite the rise in violent crime around the nation, Bill de Blasio, as I have many times called him, the worst mayor in America, using his final days in office to do a victory lap. We got the latest on America's urban crime wave in tonight's Buck Brief. But I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money. Crypto market is hot right now. Everybody wants to get in on the action. There's so many currencies to choose from. Bitcoin, Ethereum, dozens of digital tokens out there. It's not easy to get started. That's where My Digital Money comes in. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with incredible customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based crypto companies that will answer your phone call and help you get started. Your comfort and security is their absolute top priority. They offer an unparalleled military-grade security, trigger orders to help you secure opportunities, a play money account so you can test the market without risking actual cash. Look, the crypto market is heating up. This could be a great time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. You deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back and speak to you honestly. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. Again, that's MyDigitalMoney.com. And we'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Mayhem in the Big Apple continues to surge. Here's just a brief list of some recent acts of violence that have occurred in New York City, as reported by the New York Post. Augustin Santiago, a 34-year-old man, was shot dead outside a Williamsburg subway station during rush hour. A Brooklyn mother was fatally stabbed by a homeless man for reportedly walking too close to his tent in an encampment near the intersection of Herkimer and Perry Place. And overnight last Thursday, a man was killed and two others wounded in a Brooklyn shooting. Instead of working to tamp down violent street crime this holiday, Mayor Bill de Blasio has decided it's more important to impose a new vaccine mandate on kids 5 to 11 years old, private school staffers, and workers at private businesses. Despite the nearly two-year-long uptick in shootings, murders, and other crimes, de Blasio is actually patting himself on the back. Take a listen. Eight years I've been mayor. Uh, index crime, major crimes in New York City down 11% over eight years. And we did it bringing police and community closer together. Look around this city right now. This city is thriving. The bottom line is that there is, today in New York City, a much safer 
city than we were eight years ago. There's no question about that. There's a lot of question about that. In fact, I live here, and a lot of people I know live here and have for many decades, and we all think this guy's ruined the place and made it a whole lot more dangerous. We'll have more on why de Blasio goes down as the worst mayor in history in the Buck Brief. Crime is up all over the place, all over the country. They can try to change the subject to the January 6th insurrection. They can do whatever they want, but it won't change the reality. Crime is up. Why is that happening? Why during a pandemic, when at different points we even had lockdowns where people weren't interacting with each other, why is there more violent crime going on? And also thefts and mass retail uh, larceny going on. It's crazy what we're seeing across the country. The numbers all bear this out. The biggest increase in homicides since they've recorded homicides nationally. What the heck is going on? Well, we had Jen Psaki ask this question by, uh, by Mr. Ducey over at Fox News. Um, Peter Ducey, then is. Here he is asking the question. Here's her answer. So the final one would be just in the last week, uh, we saw a New York Post item about a pickpocket with more than 30 arrests back out on the street. Uh, we've seen an arsonist burn down a half a million dollar Christmas tree in New York City back out on the streets. Does the president think that that's good governing? Again, I think I've spoken to the president's concerns about retail theft. If you have specific and, and the actions we've taken for specific cases, I would point you to the local police departments or the Department of Justice. Just a total dodge, right? Tell me what specifically we've done. Well, the Democrat Party at the national level, in an election year, no less, when there were mass riots going on and the BLM movement was trying to convince as many people as possible that cops are murdering unarmed black men without consequence in a systemic fashion, which creates a tremendous amount of strife and instability in our society, which they exploited for their own political purposes. Yeah, I think the Democrat Party has a lot to answer for here. I think anybody who was being honest would see that right away. And if it was really about trying to make things better, improve safety and security in these cities, well then, wouldn't they be willing to at least say we're changing course? They will not say that. In fact, if anything, the primary motiva motivation of the Democrats right now isn't to tackle the crime problem, isn't to figure out what the heck is really going on and do something about it. It's to make sure that Democrats who brought us to this point with their stupid ideas on criminal justice are not in any way to blame. And they will certainly not call out the most lunatic Democrats for things like the defund the police call. Watch. Do you think it's possible that big cities are dealing with these smash and grab robberies right now, an increase in criminal activity because some prosecutors are too soft on crime? Uh, I would say we have seen, I'm not going to attribute the reasoning from here. What I will tell you is we have seen an increase in crime over the course of the pandemic. There are a range of reasons for that. Um, and what we're, our focus is on is what we can do to address it. What is their focus on exactly? How to address it? What are they doing to address it? They're not really sure. Probably want to throw some money at the people least capable of actually, you know, maybe, maybe hire some more social workers, something like that. And they don't want the public to figure this out. You know what the most important thing for Democrats right now is on this whole crime wave issue? That they are not held accountable for making sure 
that criminal justice is less effective and that you are less safe on the streets of every major American city and a lot of mid to small sized cities across the country. They are responsible for this. They can try to evade accountability as much as they want, but it won't change the reality. And this is something that going into an election year, the midterms coming up here next year, they have to recognize could be part of the massive red wave that this country needs just to make our streets safe again. Here is uh, Senator Dick Durbin, just by, by way of looking at how they're trying to shut down discussion here. He actually cut off a witness here during Chicago-specific violence hearings for talking about that Chicago-specific violence. Watch this. Progressive prosecutors in Chicago and in many other cities across the country, including in otherwise, quote, tough on crime states, are making a mockery of true criminal justice reform. I read your testimony, uh, and I believe in all fairness, since we did not invite the Cook County State's Attorney's Office to be represented here today, uh, that you shouldn't really zero in on any particular individual. If you want to speak to the trends, that's certainly your right, but uh, because uh, that decision was made by the committee to keep this more at the federal level. I hope you'll respect that. What? Yeah, trying to protect another Democrat, probably Kim Fox, actually. The one who tried to make the whole Jussie Smollett case go away forever. Seal it after shutting it down. Now Jussie's facing some real prison time. But it turns out Americans actually do believe in justice. It's just the Democrats, for reasons of identity politics, social justice, their Marxist urge, whatever, have decided to undermine it. Remember when they took, just one, one other note here, remember when they took the threat of violence against members of the Asian American community so very seriously? And then that quickly disappeared as a national news story because overwhelmingly the perpetrators were not white males. Here is yet another video that's gone viral. A man has punched a woman in the face in the subway in an unprovoked attack after making anti-Chinese statements this is called a hate crime, folks. This, if the uh, race was different here of the perpetrator, it would be a, cir a circumstance where this was a national news story. Why isn't this a national news story? Another hate crime caught on video against our Asian American brothers and sisters. Why isn't it? Oh, because they have a narrative to push about social justice and identity politics and racism in America. And if it doesn't fit that, it's not a story the left wants to tell. Almost like keeping people safe and telling the truth is not what's really motivating them. All right, wholesale prices surged 9.6% year over year in November, the fastest pace ever recorded. The news is just the latest evidence that President Biden's policies are failing to get the U.S. economy back on track. Economist Stephen Moore stops by next to give us the details when we return. Let's talk about protecting your digital information. Big tech will take advantage of you. They'll sell all your stuff. They'll mine all your data. You don't get any benefit from that. If you think your stuff is private, email, text, messages... It's not, not private, not safe. There's hackers, governments, and of course the big greedy corporations that are making all this cash off of you. That's where Secure comes in. Secure's email platform is 100% private. It is Swiss hosted. They use their own servers and have no ties to American big tech companies. With Secure, there's no data mining whatsoever. It's completely private. This is what makes Secure different from every other email and messaging provider out there. Secure is the best email platform in the world when it comes to security and privacy. It's unmatched. Look, there's a reason Secure built their company the way they did. We need to make a stand here and take back our privacy from the big tech monopolies. Use my discount code BUCK and Secure will only cost you $7.50 a month for full access. That's nothing. Go to Secure.com today and create your Secure email address and account. Use promo code BUCK for 25% off for a whole year. That's S-E-K-U-R.com, S-E-K-U-R.com, promo code BUCK. We'll be right back.
President Biden still insisting that his massive spending bill will lower costs as Democrats try to rally votes to pass the Build Back Better plan by Christmas. Yesterday, Biden called out a, a key holdout, moderate Democrat Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. Both described the call as productive, but Manchin says Democrats need to lower the price tag to avoid long-term costs, calling inflation a real problem. Watch. Inflation is real. It's not transitory. Uh, it's alarming. It's going up, not down. And uh, I think that should be something we're concerned about. Joining me now with Reaction, Senior Economic Contributor at FreedomWorks, Stephen Moore. Steve, as always, good to see you. Good to see you, too. All right, so producer price inflation rose at a record annual rate of 9.6% last month, which is much higher than expected. The highest increase on record. Can you tell us, first of all, what, is this, what does this mean for the folks out there, and how did we get here? Well, when producer prices go up, as they have, and you're right, this is, I think, the re highest on record, then that means that consumer prices have to go up, right? Because if things cost more for the people who make the goods and services, they have to charge more money for it. So this indicates, again, that uh, inflation is not transitory, it's not temporary, it's here, it's here in a major way, and it's getting worse, it's not getting better. Now, this is very bad news for the Democrats who want to pass this massive spending bill, because guess what? Uh, you know, the American people understand there's a connection between all this debt spending and the rise in costs. I mean, if you continue to print money to finance all this federal spending, that's going to make inflation worse. So I'm going to say that I think right now uh, there's very little chance they're going to get this bill done this year. And I think as it go bleeds into 2022, I think it's really difficult to get 50 votes in the Senate to pass this bill. There's a new analysis from the Congressional Budget Office that says that bill you just mentioned is going to cost a lot more than what the White House is telling us if the short-term spending plans become permanent, essentially, once they start spending money on entitlement programs, they keep spending it. Meanwhile, the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, Stephen, says that is fake. Let's, let's have you react to this. What you're talking about here is a fake CBO score that is not based on the actual bill that anybody is voting on. This was a ask request by Senator Graham to score a bill that is not currently being debated. Uh, that is her his prerogative to, to do, uh, but what our focus is on is on the existing bill that will lower the deficit, uh, that will also, over an additional 10 years, pay for the $2 trillion tax cuts that Republicans didn't pay for. All right, so you heard what Jen Psaki said there, Stephen, about a fake score. What do you make of it? Well, the problem is that the CBO was caught telling the truth. <laughs> they used the actual numbers. If you create all these programs, they're obviously not going to go away. When's the last time an entitlement program went away? So the Democrats were playing this kind of violent, financially fraudulent of trying to pretend that these programs would expire in two or three or four years when we know that they're going to last not just 10 years, but forever. And so when they use the honest bookkeeping, it turns out that this bill doesn't um, add up. And then in fact, instead of Joe Biden, remember he said it's not going to add one thin dime to the deficit. Well, he's right. It's not going to add one thin dime to the deficit. It's going to add $3 trillion to the deficit. Top Obama economist Larry Summers, also I believe former president of Harvard University, he actually in a tweet called out the Biden administration on inflation. He wrote, I cannot understand why so many in the administration and outside of it cling to the idea 
that inflation is caused by bottlenecks and will soon recede to normal levels. Of course, there is uncertainty, but the idea that inflation will revert soon to levels anywhere near Fed's target looks like a long shot. Seems like he sees what's going on. Yeah, he said he's been saying that for you know almost a year now that the Biden plan is inflationary, and I tend to agree with them. And incidentally, other Obama economists are saying the same thing. One of the Obama economists pointed out that this is not a global inflation problem. This is a problem here in the United States. It, Europe's inflation rate is only about half of what ours are. So then they have to ask the question, why is America's inflation rate so much higher than these other countries? And of course, the answer is because we're spending trillions and trillions of dollars we don't have. You know, Stephen, the, uh, the uh, Biden White House is making the claim that if their Build Back Better agenda is passed, which is a, a massive spending bill, as we know, that will make the inflation problem better. I mean, it'll actually address this. Can you explain, just so everyone, and I'm really curious too, how are they making that argument? How is that supposed to work? It sounds like saying throwing gasoline on a fire is going to put it out, but what is their argument and why is it wrong? Well, if you heard about this new study that just came out yesterday that shows that um, smoking is a cure for cancer. So, so, I mean, that's how absurd this argument is. And, and everyone laughs at it. I mean, I'm surprised they continue to say that. Now, what they're saying is, look, we're going to give all these subsidies for childcare and kindergarten, and therefore the costs are going to go down for that. And they may be right, although people who don't get the subsidies are going to see an increase in costs in their childcare costs. In fact, by some estimates, uh, the childcare costs, people who don't get the subsidies are going to double because the government's throwing all this additional money at it. Um, look, it, this is pretty simple stuff. If the government prints more money, <laughs> then you've got more money chasing fewer goods, which is the very definition of inflation. I don't think anybody buys this line. I think even someone with a junior high school education understands that too much money is going to make inflation worse. This is how third world countries get in trouble, by the way. They keep spending and spending and borrowing and borrowing, and they pretend that the story is going to have a happy ending. And somebody's got to show me somewhere in the world where that story has happened and had a happy ending. Because I look at Greece, I look at, I look at Venezuela, I look at Argentina, I look at Zimbabwe. I've never seen a country that has spent and borrowed its way to prosperity. Steve, just one more for you. Do you think there's a, a, a number at which the, the Biden White House is going to, they're going to internally hit the panic button in terms of where inflation is? Uh, or do you think they're I think already, they already there? already have. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think they've already. I, I think they're freaked out about this. You know, I lived through the 1970s. I'm a little older than you are. And I remember the 70s, inflation just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Don't forget, that's the reason that I would say the primary reason Ronald Reagan won a landslide election against her because of the inflation, uh, you know, pandemic that just took over the economy. It was like a virus. Stephen Moore, everybody. Stephen, always good to see you, man. Thanks for the expertise. Anytime. Have a great week. Take care. Stripped of his title and now his paycheck, disgraced former New York governor Andrew Cuomo has been ordered to return over $5 million from pandemic book profits to the state. Burns, doesn't it? We'll get into that in quick hits. But I want to tell you one more time about my friends at My Digital Money. Everybody wants to invest in crypto these days. Bitcoin, Ethereum, so many digital tokens out there. It's not easy to get started. That's where My Digital Money comes in. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with concierge-level customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based crypto companies that will answer your phone call and help you get started. Because your comfort and security is their top priority, they offer 
and unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, trigger orders to help you secure opportunities for gains or limit losses without having to watch your account 24-7. A play money account so you can test the market. Look, the crypto market's heating up. This could be a great time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. You need a team of dedicated professionals who have your back. You'll have that with My Digital Money. Go to MyDigitalMoney.com. Again, that's MyDigitalMoney.com. One IHOP in Alaska takes aim at the Biden administration and lefty loonies turn White Christmas into a cringy pro-mask song. If I had to hear it, so do you. It is time for Quick Hits. First of all, the Biden administration keeps saying things to the American people where you say, uh, wait a second, what was that? Now, as you may have heard, um, there are people in the military who are being administratively separated, fired, because they won't comply with the vaccine mandate. Remember, the vaccine that doesn't really effectively stop transmission and infection, or infection and transmission, uh, it does protect people who are at high risk, but people in the military are overwhelmingly at very low risk. And so they're being fired. And Jen Psaki wants you to know that firing people from the military because they don't want to get a shot that many of them, if they have national immunity, for example, do not even need, is actually going to make the military a better fighting machine. Listen to this. Another on vaccines. Does the president have any comment on the first group of service members who've been discharged for refusing to get the COVID vaccine? So I know um, I'd, of course, refer you overall to the Department of Defense. My understanding is that 99% of the Air Force is in compliance. So we're talking about uh, less than 1%, um, which to us, the story is that it's more than 99% who are, are in compliance. Uh, I would also note, and they can give you more detail on this, but this is at the end of months of counseling and engagement with those not yet in compliance about what is required here. And of course, there were people who were granted exemptions, uh, who applied for those and granted exemptions. Uh, as the Secretary of Defense said, the requirement will help ensure readiness, which is what the American people expect from their armed forces, and we're certainly encouraged by the high level of compliance from the Department. Uh, okay, so it's fine, huh? Jen Zaghi thinks it's just fine. It's helping, helping with readiness. You know, that high level of compliance is just what the military needs right now. Yeah. Um, by the way, I guess those boosters every six months too for the military, is that the way it's going to go? Leftists turn White Christmas into a pro-mask song. Get ready for the cringe. Get the COVID count so low because it's worked so well in the past, the mask, right? Yeah. Um, also, I'm sorry that you had to be subjected to that, but I did. And so I felt like we all had to marinate in that exquisite audio agony together. And that's what ended up happening there. So also note that they weren't wearing masks in the song, which I think was so interesting. You're doing a, a song about masks. Shouldn't you be wearing a mask? Oh, you mean it's harder to sing or communicate and people can't tell? Oh, yeah. Maybe masking isn't such a great idea all the time. Okay, in Alaska, the International House of Pancakes, known to the initiated as IHOP, 
ripped Biden, one place, I should say, one IHOP franchise, probably, ripped Biden in a note apologizing for staff shortages. Here's what they wrote. Due to the fact that Biden gave out way too much free money and nobody wants to work anymore, we are forced to reduce our hours this week. Thank you for your understanding and your patience. Uh, I was happy to see this, but of course, libs are very upset because if you say anything about St. Biden, oh, they get so upset at you, even though they all know he's an imbecile, but he's their imbecile. Andrew Cuomo, speaking of imbeciles, although actually he's just more evil than an imbecile, to be fair. He's pretty smart, just tyrannical and mean. He's going to have to give back his $5 million book advance. This is from Bloomberg. New York State's Ethics Commission voted Tuesday to require former Governor Andrew Cuomo to repay the more than $5 million in compensation he received for a book he wrote in 2020 on his handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. $5 million for a book, folks, that he didn't write, that he had staffers, I believe in government's employ, write for him. Who gave this guy a $5 million book deal? But see, this is how the Democrats essentially launder money for the people who do their dirty work. You know, politicians get offers that are far beyond what the market would actually bear. And uh, he's also a catastrophe, and he was. The Joint Commission on Public Ethics voted 11 to 2, requiring Cuomo to repay it within 30 days. All the compensation he earned from American crisis lessens leadership from the past. Total crap. One more thing for you before I let you go. Another deucey part two here, man. The guy's laying it down, talking to Saki. Aren't there still Americans stranded in Afghanistan? Watch this one. Why is it that there are still Americans stranded in Afghanistan? Well, I think, uh, let me just reiterate something that Tony Blinken said back in August, which is that if Americans who are in Afghanistan wanted to leave, whether it was three weeks from now, a month from now, two months from now, back in August, we would help them get out. And that is something that we've delivered on our word on. I would note that since that time, We've directly assisted 479 American citizens, 450 lawful permanent residents, and SIV holders and SIV applicants to depart Afghanistan. Uh, that was that's important to convey because it's uh, it's important for people to understand who are there. That even if they decided not to, even if they decided not to today, we are still going to help them depart. And there's evidence of that. Okay. That's it for tonight's hold the line. No spin news with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.